we don't need to be afraid of change. Do not fear, Jesus proclaimed. We celebrate this change. As Presbyterians, we affirm the full dignity of all humans. We call for a place at the table for all of God's people. Even during this march and the protests of people calling Black Lives Matter, we agree that Black Lives Matter. We would like to invite all people to the table. We advocate for justice for all who have been left out. We call for a place at the table for all of God's children. There is room enough at the table. Do not fear, says Jesus. You were just listening to a sermon by Reverend Bobby Masingwa, who is the lead pastor of Maximo Presbyterian Church in St. Petersburg, Florida. And Bobby also happens to be the very next guest on the pastor cast. Well, this is Pastor Leon Bloder welcoming you once again to another edition of the Pastor Cast podcast. And we are in the midst of a series on conversations on racial injustice, a call to the church to listen and to learn. Our guest for today is the pastor of Maximo Presbyterian Church in St. Petersburg, Florida, as I mentioned. His name is Reverend Bobby Masingwa. Uh, Bobby is a minister of the Word and Sacrament in the Presbyterian Church USA, and he and I have known each other for almost 10 years. We were in the same Doctor of Ministry program uh, from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, and we, uh, we were together for three years uh, doing our studies together. We also served together as commissioners of the 2016 General Assembly of the PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church USA. We served together on the Social Justice Committee, the Social Justice Issues Committee, and we were part of uh, the assembly that recognized and adopted the Belhar Confession, uh, which uh, comes out of South Africa as one of our historic confessions of the church. And that's also where Bobby Masingwa is from. He is from South Africa. He's been a pastor for many, many years here in the States. Um, and went to school here as well uh, for theological education, as he's going to be telling you in just a moment. Uh, I wanted to have this conversation with Bobby because he and I have known each other for so long, and I called him just to check on him and see how he was doing, and he encouraged me so greatly, and he agreed to be a part of this conversation. And so I hope that you really enjoy and really listen intently to what Bobby has to say. And so I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about his story about how he came to be a pastor and what he's doing right now. Here we go. Yeah, I was born and raised in Pretoria, South Africa, and went to school there both in the city and also in, uh, I mean, in the township and also in the village. I say the township because the city was reserved for white people. The township is for black folks, you know? Mm, yeah. And then, uh, then I went to high school in 
in the village, finished college there, came to the United States, studied political science in the St. Andrew's Presbyterian College, and then went to St. Uh, Presbyterian School of Christian Education in uh, Richmond, Virginia, which is now part of uh, the Union Presbyterian Seminary. Mm-hmm. And then went to Princeton Seminary for my Masters of Divinity, worked uh, as a Christian educator in Wisconsin, and that church ordained me as a co-pastor. Then I went to Niagara Falls as a solo pastor. Then I came to St. Petersburg as a co-pastor. After three years, my co-pastor left, and I've been here ever since. So I've been here for 15 years. Last month, month in May was 15 years in St. Petersburg. Wow. the longest place I've ever lived. yeah, because, you know, we moved around. We were homeless. I, uh, just moved around from the time I was an infant. So this was good to be here because I feel at home here. The congregation is uh, a multiracial congregation, predominantly white. Uh, very, very loving people. Our mission statement is <clears throat> Maximum Presbyterian Church is a community of believers seeking to share the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, man. That's good. I I like the seeking part, right? I memorized that the first day I arrived here. (laughs) The Presbyterian Church is a community of believers seeking to share the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a fantastic um, statement, and we, we try to embody that statement Uh, that mission statement as much as possible by loving one another and uh, loving our community and really spreading the love of God. Bobby, um, what he was doing in his particular community to really and truly stay connected. He does an amazing job um, leading and being a part of uh, his um, series of colleagues, of pastors, of churches in the area, of how they are engaged in the community, engaged with their government, engaged with the police department. And so I asked him to tell me a little bit more, like what went into that? How did they get to a place where uh, as a community of faith leaders, they were so connected to what was happening in their city government and what kind of an effect that that was having on the city itself uh, and on the faith community and its constituents. And so I asked him to talk more about that and more about his story of how he became so involved and so connected in the community um, and uh, what went into that. And this is what he had to say. So one of the things that uh, I encountered when I arrived there was that uh, our congregation, whereas is predominantly white, it is sitting in a predominantly black area. Mm. <laughs> you know, so uh, building bridges to the community was extremely important, and, and the congregation based a lot of value in that. <clears throat> yeah. Prior to my coming, there was a longtime pastor uh, called Lacey Howell, the Reverend Lacey Howell. 
big tall white man <laughs> from South Carolina. Yeah. Came here and went to Princeton. Came here from being a pastor in Philadelphia in the 1960s during during a time of riots. So he had learned uh, community building and um, and uh, reconciliation. He was one of the key players in St. Petersburg when there were riots, race riots, after a young black man was shot and killed by the police. Mm. So the city was sensitized to the relationship between the police and the community. So, so when I went around and people say, who are you? I say, I'm Bobby saying, well, where are you from? I said, uh, where are you pastor off? I said, Maximo Presbyterian. They said, oh, Lacey's church. <laughs> Lacey's. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was on the board of directors for Eckhart College. He was on the board of directors for the hospital. He was all over, man. So he was very well known and highly respected. So he laid the groundwork of, uh, of reconciliation. When, uh, after I arrived, there were a few, a few years after I arrived, there was a shooting. Um, there were shootings here that caused us as pastors to come together. So there were about 49 churches. So we, we were very imaginative. There are 49 churches, so we shall call ourselves seven by seven. <laughs> that's pretty good. You know, seven times seven is 49. Okay, that's who we are. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, a, that's a good name though, right? <laughs> yeah, seven by seven. So we, we meet once a month on the first Saturday of the month at seven o'clock in the morning and we pray together. Uh, we eat together. And we also pray, organize the National Day of Prayer for the city. And in September, we put seven tents where we are preaching in those tents, uh, trying to, to bring the, the good news or the gospel to the city. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's been going on for 12 years. Wow. That's okay. awesome. Uh, and then we also have uh, another organization that we started four years ago called The Gathering of Pastors. Um, I'm the vice president of that organization. We meet every Saturday morning at nine o'clock to pray. Wow. For four years. Oh my gosh. Before COVID-19, we were meeting at different uh, churches. So the first Saturday they come to my church here, every first Saturday of the month, we become the host. And after a meeting, we, we feed them breakfast. Um, and then the, the subsequent Saturdays, we, we would go to different churches. Um, when COVID-19 came, so we moved into Zoom, using Zoom. So we still meet every Saturday, four years, unbroken. Wow. Um, so basically what we were trying to do was to build trust among pastors. Yep and other religious leaders. Uh, there is also the Interfaith Tampa Bay uh, that I'm part of that uh, also works not only with Christians, but Muslims, uh, Hindus, and other religious communities. Um, so there is a lot of activity that I consider groundwork of 
bridge building and and uh, relationship building. Um, we also have what, uh, one of our pastors embedded in the police department mm. who works with the police department. So we get we get updates every day from the police department how things are going. Wow. So. Uh, we meet sometimes, have breakfast with the chief of police, Chief Holloway. Um, so I, we have a lot of good work. I will send you an email. I mean, I'll send you a link of uh, that pastor, Pastor Irby. He was just published yesterday by CNN. Oh, wow. On how St. Petersburg uh, is working with community to build trust so what i'm explaining here you can find on cnn oh fantastic yeah so you can make cross reference uh and that brother is a really really phenomenal brother brother kenny Abbey is the pastor of uh, the historic bethel ame right downtown in saint petersburg yeah yeah he's phenomenal so we have that and he joins us for prayer He's been with us for quite a long time, you know? Um, and he used to work, be a journalist. He used to work with the Pointer Institute, created an, an internationally accredited program that brings journalists from around the world <laughs> wow. to St. Petersburg. Uh, so that's a lot of work that is uh, being done. Um, in the article, he's saying uh, police reform is possible. Yeah. So uh, you you could definitely you you might actually just double check it. Uh, CNN, Kenny Abbey, police reform is possible. Then it'll pop up. Even in the best of circumstances, I told Bobby it's difficult to. Um, maintain that level of commitment and that level of connection uh, to the community. And in the worst of times, it can be even more challenging. So I asked him what he felt when he saw the video of George Floyd being murdered by the police officers in Minneapolis. And this is what he told me. Yeah, I was quite heartbroken, uh, mostly because it looked like it would be very easy for that officer to take off his knee. Mm, yep. And and all really, he, all what he needed to do was to take off his knee from George Floyd. And there were people who were shouting and yelling at him and asking him and urging him and encouraging him to take his knee off, right? Yeah. So if he had listened, we would not have this conversation. Yeah. So yeah. as I was watching that, I was hoping he would take off his knee. Like, dude, just take off his knee. It'll take off your knee so this man can breathe. But I, the title already said he, you know, man killed by police. But even as I was looking at it, each time I look at it, I keep thinking, just take off your knee, man. Mm. Take off your knee. There's enough oxygen for all of us to breathe. Yeah. But he just casually, he had his hand, his left hand in a pocket. It was very casual what he was doing. Yeah. So the casualness of it 
was absolutely stunning. Mm. You know, uh, George, George Floyd um, would not want his legacy to be written as the man who was killed by police. Yep. Okay. Uh, it reminded me of a time after meeting with the police chief and I heard that uh, uh, he told us about the park, uh, stop, stop park and, 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 uh, and walk. This is the police officers in St. Petersburg are required uh, to do co police, uh, community policing. Yeah. What that means is uh, one hour a day during a shift, a police officer in St. Peter's, the police officers in St. Petersburg are required to get out of the car and walk in the midst of the community and talk to the people and build relationships. So the first time I heard about that, I said, well, that sounds pretty cool. And uh, <clears throat> so one day I was leaving my church on a Saturday afternoon, 10 right, and as I was turning right again to go home, I saw two police officers walking. A man and a woman, I said, oh my God, that must be what the chief was talking about. Yeah. And they were walking towards our church. So I turned turn away to go, and then they crossed to come towards the church. I was very, very excited. I said, oh my God, that's it. So I made a U-turn to go to welcome them. When I arrived, I stopped. I opened up my uh, passenger passenger window. I said, hey, good afternoon, police officer. I've never seen once walking the streets here. You know, I was too excited about it to, to know that I heard about this program before, but I didn't say that. I just I've never seen police officers here. Yeah. Um, and um, so the, the male was Hispanic. So he's the one who talked. The, the woman was white, blonde lady who stood behind. And um, as I was talking, I said, yeah, you know, here. And then I reached out to, to give them my business card to say, hey, this is my church here. If you need anything, let me know. Let's talk or call me. But as I did that, that lady backed up, put her hand on the gun, and there was fire in her eyes and fear. Yeah. And that whole situation turned around. Right. But fortunately, the Hispanic officer leaned over into, into my window to, to accept the business card. And literally block me from that lady. Yeah. My heart was pumping, man. Yeah. As I was driving away, I said, oh my God, I almost got shot. I almost got shot. What in the world was all, that all about? She doesn't know I'm a, I'm a friend of the police officer, of the police chief. She doesn't yeah. know I'm the pastor. I'm just some black dude in a t-shirt who made a u-turn and started following them yeah yeah i was I, there i was there it, it, was it, that, it felt it probably felt like it was that close right it was i mean i was scared man i was thinking yeah. oh my god 
So, so I went and told my wife, of course, it's like, don't you ever do that again, man. You know? So maybe mixing with the police officers made me less afraid of them. Right. And then I forgot that even welcoming while black can get you killed. Yeah. You know, running yeah. while walking while black, you get killed, driving while black, and welcoming while black can get you killed too. Here's a great example. Uh, George Floyd was a big guy. Yeah. Okay. And he worked as a security guard. Yeah. With Derek Chauvin. He did. They knew each other. 17 years. Yep. But at that point, he was black man. He was a black man. And Chauvin was the dude in charge. Yeah. Um, that, so here's the tragedy. No one should die for $20. No. No. Absolutely not. Fake or real, no one should die for $20. No. So, so the, our predicament is, as black men, we know we can die for welcoming people, we can die for jogging, we can die for walking, we can die for driving, and we can die for $20. But a white man like a roof, uh, the guy who shot Mother the Bible study people, yeah, and Mother Emmanuel. Yep, in Charleston, Roof, South Carolina. Yep. Dylan Roof can go in there, sit with the Bible study people, including the preacher, who was a state legislator. Yeah. Take out a gun and shoot and kill nine people, injure the rest of it, and be arrested peacefully. Yeah, they even stopped and got him some food. <laughs> they did. I, I, yeah. I hand to God. Yeah. They, they were when they were driving him after all of the you know the stuff and you know and arresting. He was hungry, I guess, uh, on the way to be booked or arraigned or whatever. And so they stopped at Burger King and got him some food. I mean, I mean, it, it is astounding. It is astounding. You know? I say it must be nice to be white, man. <laughs> Might be nice to be white. We don't expect that treatment, man. All we are asking is to bring right. Yeah, I didn't know the so, part about them stopping to buy him some food, but uh, but he can expect to be arrested peacefully. Right. You know, I may have some neighbors who are loud in my neighborhood. They're black men. I ain't calling the police. Fifteen years, man. 15 years because I want them alive. Yeah. If I call the police, they might be dead. Yeah. And that'll be on me. Wow. You know? Yeah. They could be as loud as can be. Sometimes I go out, I say, listen, man, it's three o'clock in the morning. My kids have exams tomorrow. Maybe I could get shot. <laughs> tell the neighbors to be quiet at three in the morning. But I'd rather do that than call the police because then somebody's gonna get shot. So we have to deal and live with quite a lot of discomfort because the police officers to us, they are a government. Right. And a government that is killing its people, but it's targeted people. And we are the targets of a government. 
when the church wades into public debate and stands with the poor, as we do in our support for the poor people's campaign, then we are sometimes told that we are being political. This is a way to silence the voice of the church. It is also a way to leave the status quo intact. Change must come. Change is uncomfortable. Do not fear, said the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this particular episode of the Pastor Cast. I hope that you've been enjoying these conversations on racial injustice, a call to the church to listen and to learn. This is part one of the conversation that I had with Bobby Masingua, and you'll be hearing part two very soon. So I want you to stay tuned and stay connected, and we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye.